Let's conversate, Akeem. Let's conversate. Let's conversate. Let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to Conversate with the Kim B. Earl. I have a very special guest again here today. Um, she is a commercial uh, attorney, commercial, civil litigation, criminal defense, all those things uh, at William and Williams and Conley. Um, I met her at a event that they put on that they put on for young law students um, in the area, and it was a, an amazing event. And this was in like the beginning stages of me like trying to put together this podcast. And when she was up there speaking and leading and, and giving us a lot of information, I was like, man, she'll be great for this podcast. So I was glad I was able to reach out and she agreed to do it. So I'm very excited to have her on today for Conversate. Please welcome Crystal Durham. No, Crystal Commons Durham. I have to say the okay. full thing. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hi, everyone. <laughs> How are you doing? Really excited to be here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I always start off this podcast with the first question is, it's not a question. It's to finish this statement. Oh, okay. If I was not a lawyer, I would be a what? Oh, if I was not a lawyer, I would be doing something in like crisis management or corporate hmm. res- social responsibility for a major brand. Um, I'd be doing something where I could use my advocacy skills um, to influence different communities. Hmm. Why do you say that? Why, why, why was that the... Of why is that my answer yeah. oh i guess well crisis management obviously it's similar to being a litigator you're responding yeah. to kind of people's crises when the things are you know hot and pressing mm-hmm. um, people reach out to someone who can manage their crises and corporate social responsibility i've always been interested in um how major brands can kind of you utilize their brand power mm-hmm. to impact uh social change in communities that need it and so um, when I was thinking about not being a lawyer anymore, that's kind of a niche area <laughs> that I was looking to go into. Yeah. Right. So what made, how did you realize that was something you were good at? Like advocacy, like what, what about Crystal was like, Oh, I, I, I can do advocacy. Like that's who I am. Um, I think I started advocating from a very young age. Uh, <laughs> my dad would be like, you know, annoyed that the, that his child had so many why questions and, mm. and so much logical reasoning. And I think, in terms of just kind of my interest, I was always interested in history and like how people become who they are, right? And mm-hmm. so much of that is based on who's advocating for you, how you advocate for yourself, what your access to resources are. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that just kind of dovetailed into how can I be an advocate um, and what does that look like and, and what does it require? And so I've always kind of been interested in right. those questions. And, and you know, I, I was a history major in college and it, it I was always writing and thinking about um, especially our history, black people's history mm-hmm. in this country. Um, and so, yeah, I think that just like kind of my reading, writing, uh, presentation skills have always kind of limited themselves to being an advocate. Mm-hmm. So why did you go the legal route instead of doing like the brand management and stuff like that? What made you make the, um, the legal decision? I went decision? the legal route because, well, candidly, both my brothers are attorneys. So mm. I had, you in know, obviously, yeah. So it's in the family. I had access to resources, information. Um, and when I was really little, I thought, okay, I, I want to be a doctor. And then I realized like <laughs> chemistry, math, <laughs> like, right. not me, <laughs> not my thing. Um, yeah. And so how could I help people? What, what could I do? The other thing that I thought of was, or 
probably I didn't even think of it, but that was presented was like, oh, you could be a lawyer. Um, mm. And I think when I become a, became an adult, um, I had just always kind of thought about being a lawyer and, and mm. becoming a lawyer and an advocate. And I think I went that route because I was so interested in kind of the reading, write, writing, litigating, presentation, mm. convincing people that my sides of arguments were right, <laughs> um, mm. that it was like a natural next step. Right. That makes sense. So when you finally got to practice the law, was it like, okay, this is exactly what I thought it was? Or it was like, oh, nah, I wasn't expecting all of this. So, I mean, by way of background, I started um, my career. So I graduated from Columbia in 2012, Columbia Law mm -hmm. School in 2012. Um, and then I started my career at Crevasse, Wayne & Moore. Um, mm -hmm. And then I was there for two and a half years. And I moved on to Williams & Connolly, where I've been ever since. Mm -hmm. And candidly, like, no, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I was, you know, I was like, wait a minute. Like, y'all want me to, like, review these documents and, like, be, be very precise and, like, as mm -hmm. a junior associate, right, it's not law and order, right? It's not yeah. like you're yeah. not Perry Mason as a first year associate at a law firm. You're not like going in and being like, hey guys, I've cracked the case, right? There's right. Like I figured it out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's like all of these like little steps that have to happen that are mm -hmm. not so exciting, not so right. tantalizing, not right. so, you know, it's not, like I said, it's not law and order. So no, it wasn't what I expected initially and it wasn't, um, and it can't be because I didn't know anything about practicing law. Right. Um, and so it was definitely certainly a very different experience um, than what than what I thought initially. Hmm. So attached to that, my another question I'd love to ask my guest is, so what was your welcome to the legal field moment? Like, What was your the, the thing that happened? You were like, holy crap, I'm actually doing this. Like, this is real. Was it good or bad? Oh, OK. Um. <laughs> I think my welcome to the legal field moment. Ooh, I'm trying to think: am I going positive or negative? Either either way is either way. So is I think honestly, so I and it, it it happened only probably three or four years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I was cross examining a witness in a mm -hmm. in a murder trial actually, and the judge. I was using an FBI report. And I was reading from the report verbatim and the government kept objecting to my reading and I kept mm -hmm. saying, well, like I'm reading your document. Right. Um, and then the judge kind of picking up. Yeah. And the judge kind of picking up on what the prosecutor was saying right. was like, just read the document. And I was like, well, I am reading the document, Your Honor. And this is in front of a jury. And he was like, no, but just read the document. And I was like, well, I am. Would you like for me to come up and show you right. um, the document? And he's like, no, I'm just asking you to be honest. Like, you know, basically calling me a liar in front oh, of the jury. Lord. And mm -hmm. when you're in front of a jury, as all litigators know, the most important thing you have is your credibility. Mm. So he kind of kept interrupting my um, cross-examination and intimating that I was lying. So finally... Mm. I just said, you know what, Your Honor, I'm just going to approach, which is like not something you should do without permission. Mm. But he kept interrupting and suggesting. <laughs> I'm so. going to come to you, Your Honor. Let me, let me, let's talk. Yeah, like, I, you know what? <laughs> let's just skip all this because this is right. like not going the way I had planned it. Right. So I just ran. I like, I was like, you know what? Actually, I know I asked to approach like two questions ago and you said no. <laughs> but I'm going to just approach. I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> So I went up there, I showed him that I was reading from the document and he mm -hmm. was like, oh, okay. And then he let me proceed with my questioning. But mm -hmm. again, 
none of the the jury doesn't know what's happening. I'm not showing them the document. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was a big moment for me in my career where I, I could, I proved to myself and to my colleagues, like I'm good on my feet. Mm. Um, I can respond to adversity and and carry on. And he ended up having to give a corrective instruction and tell them that I was telling them the truth. But I think for me, that was like the moment where I was like, okay, all right, I can do this. Like I got a little, I got a little sauce. (laughs) Um, I can do this and I can do it well. Beforehand, were you having like imposter syndrome? Were there any doubts, feeling of inadequacies? Like what was that process before or even before your first trial? Like what, what was your thoughts of yourself as an attorney? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, um, I mean, candidly, right. That was, I was probably, Mm -hmm. I'm a ninth year now. So I was probably a fifth or sixth year when that happened. So Mm -hmm. I had been practicing for some time. Mm -hmm. Of course you, when you, so first of all, I'm a black woman in America, right? So Mm -hmm. anytime I walk in anywhere, I feel like I have to prove my value. I have to prove my intelligence. Um, Mm. And it's not like a chip on my shoulder. It's just the reality of who I am. Um, And so, of course, there's lots of imposter syndrome. When you start your career at a place like Cravath, everyone is brilliant. When you go Mm. to Williams and Connolly, everyone is brilliant, capable, talented. There are some amazing Mm. writers. There are some amazing litigators, trial litigators. And so, of course, you feel like, whoo, I'm here. Am I good enough to be here? And... You know, I mentor a lot of young black women who are, you know, starting their careers. And I always say to them, like, there is a bit of fake it till you make it right. Mm. There is a bit of you got to do the work, right? You got to do the work. You got to do all the getting ready to go and like making sure that you have all of the information and you've done the work. You've worked twice as hard. You got to do all that. But then there's got to be a little bit of like. I got this, even if in your mind you're saying like, talk I don't. Like, you got to talk your stuff. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's got to be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know the answer to that, even mm. if I don't really know the answer to that. Right. And I'm going to go back to my office and figure out the answer. <laughs> yeah. um, so, of course, there was a lot of imposter syndrome. And I think that is important because mm. I think it does, but it can also be stifling. But I think for me, it was important because it kept me on my toes, right? It kept mm. me kind of invested in my own development. It kept me asking questions. It kept me demanding things of my colleagues in terms of mentorship and opportunities. Um, and it it reminded me that I still had, and I still have, um, you know, a lot of growth to do. I still get, you know, jittery and like, oh, mm-hmm. like I just proposed the CEO of a company a couple weeks or a month ago. And I was like, wait a minute, they send in the CEO for me? Like, oh, <laughs> the big dogs, yeah. Correct. So, you know, you deal with that and it's a real thing. And um, yeah, so I, of course I dealt with that. Man, that's awesome. And I was going to get to the part about you being a black woman, like how much of that, you, you touched on it a little bit, but how much to this day does it still affect your luring or how you view yourself in this space, especially being in a space where you don't see a lot of black women in this space? Like, how, yeah, how is I it directly? Mean, I sit in on meetings all the time where I'm the only, right? Mm-hmm. I could be the only woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm usually the only black person. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I view it as a strength. Right. I Mm. view it as an opportunity. Um, I know that I come with a perspective. I know that I come with a host of experiences um, that are going to be valuable. And I know that, you know, clients and my colleagues 
um, are getting something additional because they have me on the team. Mm. It's not easy, right? It's never easy to be the only. It doesn't feel yeah. good. And obviously, like, I'm froed out. This is how yeah. I wear my hair to work. Good, good. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm very much a black woman. And, mm. you know, I'm not, I don't hide that, right? I don't, yeah. there's not a lot of code switching with me. I am who I am. Um, now, mm. you know, I'm not like, pretending like I'm at the cookout at work, but um, <laughs> some goofy, you have to have some qualm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. uh, but, but I definitely feel like, um, you know, I, I walk this earth as a black woman and there's no way that it doesn't touch mm. everything that I do. And so I have gone from, as I've become more senior in my career, um, I've started to use it as an attribute and say, well, wait a minute, let's think about how a jury's going to think about this. Or let's think about mm. how if our jury's predominantly women, how are they going to respond to this argument? Or, mm. oh, we're in D.C., right? We're going to have a, we could have a majority black jury. Let's yeah. think about the arguments that are going to reach that group. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that every argument reaches every person, obviously, because we're not a monolith. But I yeah. think being able to be strategic and thoughtful about kind of what identity means in these spaces that really matter for my clients mm -hmm. um, is important and an attribute. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So we're going to take a, a big of a, a bit of a, a switch. So um, I also, with this podcast, want to show the duality of a lawyer. So what would you say is something that defines you that has nothing to do with the law? Whether it's an interest or a hobby or a side business or whatever it is, like what's something, who is Crystal without? the law crystal without the law is a mother first mm. um, i'm a mother of two so i have a two-year-old and a one-year-old mm -hmm. um crystal without the law is someone who loves culture so travel mm. music um you know i feel like black people have like created everything in this world so anything <laughs> that we have touched i will love and you will do, go and do it. <laughs> yeah. um so yeah i mean i i think crystal without the law is a pretty balanced person, right? I don't define myself as a lawyer and I don't think of myself mm. as, I mean, I know that's what I do, but it's not who I am. Yeah. Um, and so outside of kind of my, my commitment to my job, mm. um, I think right now really, because I have two young children, my focus is um, my children. But yeah. after that, like, other than being a mother, I'm some, I'm like, I would say like a surveyor of the world, right? I love culture. I love music. I mm. love going to art shows. I love, traveling i love um seeing and experiencing how we kind of all connect as human beings mm -hmm. i think that's like a, it's like it sounds lofty but it's really not that lofty it's just more like you know we all are connected in some way and sometimes you find that rhythm in music like i've gone to coachella four times sometimes you find that rhythm in travel i travel Jeez. a lot and mm -hmm. and see the world so um mm -hmm. yeah i think that's when i'm not practicing that's awesome and I like that you said you don't define yourself as a lawyer. I know that's something I dealt with where growing up, it's like, I want to be a lawyer. And it felt like that was the end all be all. Like once I become a lawyer, that's going to be it. Like that's going to be who I am. And I know there's a lot of people listening to who feels like because it's such a prestigious profession, you feel like this is who I am. And you may feel like you're not allowed to like other things or be interested in other things. Like, did you always, were you always like that? You're like, listen, I'm, this is what I do, but it's not who I am. I'm not going to make it consume my life. Or was it a process for you to be like, okay, I'm not just a lawyer. I'm other things. 
No, I mean, I'm a Libra, so I'm all about balance. Like, <laughs> what does that I'm, mean? <laughs> like, I'm all about scales and balance and like yeah. not doing too much in any way. Right, so right. I feel like, no, like I always have kind of been a person who sets boundaries and like needs mm. that like personal time. I think it is, mm. it's an amazing accomplishment, right? But yeah. like, I understand it's also a business and, mm. you know, at the end of the day, the business is going to thrive whether I'm there or not, to be honest. Mm. Like I'm just one person. The business existed yeah. before my law degree. It's going to exist yeah. after. So yeah. I am not someone who ever was like. I'm going to commit my entire life. Like I'm going to be doing this for 3000 hours a year. Like, no, <laughs> like, no, I'm just not like I work hard and, right. um, but I'm, I'm not going gonna, to Coachella. You're not going right, to stop. But like, I'm, <laughs> well, we got, you know, tickets. So, right. um, but I, yeah, you got to work hard, but no, I was never the kind of, I didn't, yeah. I didn't have that kind of that struggle. Now I have had the struggle of like your job wanting you to like commit mm -hmm being a hundred percent in that that kind of not even a hundred percent because i haven't i've never quiet quit you know that's like the cute thing now i've never done that um, quiet quit break that down i never heard that one before oh quiet quitting is where you like set boundaries you do your job adequately but like you don't really put forth any effort um <laughs> any real effort you're not exerting yourself vigorously right. uh. um, so yes quiet quitting is the new trend there's lots of articles about it um <laughs> I'm, I'm certain there are people doing it right now at my job. I am not, right. <laughs> but um, there may be some more junior folks that are. Um, right. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think I've always worked hard, but I think I also have always mm. been really good about kind of setting boundaries, taking my vacations. And now that I'm a mom, mm. kind of just being very honest about my responsibilities as a mother. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's interesting talking about quiet quitting. So you're obviously, you're good at what you do. You, you're doing it at a high level. What is your work ethic like? So when you know you have the balance, you know when you got to go to Coachella and when you got to do the work. But when you're in work mode, when you have a trial coming up or when you're locking in, like what does your work ethic look like on like a Tuesday and you locked in? Like what does that look like? Yeah, it looks like, I think being available is the first thing, like being available mm. to your clients, being available to your partners who are your clients, mm -hmm. um, being available to your senior, whoever your senior person is. And it looks like grinding. Like mm. I feel like I'm a like I consider myself like a real litigator, right? Like I'm a real trial mm. attorney. The thing that I really love about what I do is fact development. And to, you know, develop facts, you gotta do the work. You gotta review the documents, you gotta talk mm. to people, you gotta interview, you gotta re review the documents, you gotta mm. develop an argument, a strategy, and then you gotta go back and look at your strategy. Um, there's a lot of like reworking, right? There's a lot of yeah. brain trusting, brainstorming with your brain trust, but then there's a lot of individual kind of work where it's just, I'm a, I'm a pretty efficient person, but I'm also a person that likes to sleep. So for me, <laughs> it may mean getting up at seven o'clock and working until 10, 11, mm. um, because I know I want to go to sleep, right? I'm not a person who's going to sleep until 10 if I know I got something to do. Like that's right. not me at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm kind of like an early bird. I will start thinking about things, whether I'm at physically at my computer or I'm, you know, at the gym. Um, mm -hmm. I'll start thinking about things early. Like, what do I need to do today? What's my to-do list? What do I need to bang out? What government or, you know, opposing counsel do I need to get at? Like, what's mm -hmm. that look like? And being locked in 
looks like not being balanced, right? It looks mm. like sacrificing kind of all of the other things and understanding that there will come a period when you don't have to be so locked in, right? I think, yeah. um, yeah, I guess that's what that's what being locked in and work ethic look like for me. And I always explain this to people, like for litigation at least, mm-hmm. what really kind of makes you a powerful advocate is knowing your stuff. So if you're going to be somebody who is up there doing an oral argument about a brief that you wrote, you better know the cases, right? You better know Mm -hmm. what's in your brief. You better know what the arguments are. If you're going to cross-examine a witness, you better know that witness's file, documents, all of the points you want to make, the counterpoints. And that takes time. And the only way to do that is to like look at stuff, look at it again, re-review it, and be prepared. Um, Preparedness is like the number one thing in our job. And that's when, when you're fully prepared, that's when you're able to improvise and think on your feet because exactly. you know it so well. People exactly. see law and order, like, oh man, you just go up there, right. and just wing it, and just figure right. it. Nah, all the no. preparation before that really no. matters. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, wow. all right. So going back to law school a little bit. Uh, okay. Well, after after law school, um, give me a bar exam horror story. What's something that happened during either preparation or during the bar that you were like, holy crap, why did this just happen? It's a horror story. Bar exam horror story. Um, I don't know that I have one because I was just trying to get a D. Like, you know, they say that <laughs> all you got to do is get a D to pass. Yeah, so, minimum competence, yeah. Yeah, that's what I aim for. And I'm pretty sure, like, <laughs> if there was a grade, that's what I would have got. Um, I mean... Yeah, I stopped going to the class in person and did that mm. virtually. I, I mean, listen, flashcards are just like the worst thing in the world, right? Creating flashcards. Mm-hmm. That's like my whole story. Like that process, yeah. even though that's how I learn, that process mm-hmm. was nuts. And there were definitely questions that I literally made up answers to on the bar. I mean, I, that's like the horror story, right? I was like, yeah. it was some question about some criminal law that I had not been exposed to, and I completely made up an answer. And mm. I mean, I passed the first time, right. but. Yeah, I think the whole studying for the bar is the horror story. Yes, yes. I literally, I literally just came out of that, and I'm waiting for the results in November. Well, I'm sure you're fine. <laughs> Thank you. But, yeah, no, legit, just the process of it is draining and absolutely ridiculous. So sure. I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree for with sure. that. Uh, now for this segment, it's called Hot Takes. Uh, what is, like, a, a, a hot take in the legal field that you you stand on that you would die on this hill in the legal field that nobody, people may agree with you, people, people may not, but what's the thing that you figure all the time? Like you always advocate for this one thing in the field. Like this should change. This is wrong. This is good. This is bad. Hot take diversity. Yeah. I'm always going to advocate for it. Mm. Diversity. Always going to advocate for it. The, the more diverse the crowd, the better for everybody, the better for clients, the better for law firms, the better for institutions. Um, my hot take is, or the hot take that I agree with most is like success looks different. Metrics should be, um, should encompass like all of the things that we look for from people that can be good at this profession. Straight A's are not just it. Um, Mm. There are other indicators of success, things we should consider. And I think if we, you know, look at those metrics closely and how they came to be, um, and we look at the pipeline from, you know, from Genesis, birth, whatever, to law school and what that looks like and how the pipeline can be uh, precluding of certain groups. Um, mm. 
we, we start to think differently about what success is. And so my hot take is that diversity is it. And not just diversity for diversity's sake, right? Like yeah. real diversity. I'm not talking about just the black kids from the white neighborhoods, right? Yeah. Um, I'm talking yeah. about like real diversity and not just, you know, the the kind of platitude that we sometimes see, but the, the real work of creating and creating institutions that involve people from all walks of life. Hmm. And what do you feel like are the practical ways that companies should be able should be doing this? Um, I think the practical ways are looking first, looking at your metrics, right? What, mm. who are you bringing into the building and why? And what are the metrics mm. by which you bring people into the building? Um, yeah. I think the other thing is like, if you're like for me, right? Just, and this is like, just a crystal commons Durham view. Um, if you're in a meeting, no, everybody looks like you that's a problem right that's like a very like <laughs> tangible way to start yeah. just like questioning what your institution is doing right or mm. if you're in a meeting and there's only one chocolate drop why <laughs> chocolate why is that right you gotta like you gotta probe so yeah, i think there's some issue, like yeah. easy steps um to starting to address yeah. the diversity problem in the legal field generally mm. That's real. I love it. I actually skipped over a question, and when I asked you about like what what are you, what are some interests you have outside of the law, I want to tie it back in. Like, how do you feel like the interest that your interest outside of the law affects your lawyering? Can you make any comparisons, any overlaps, any conclusions of of, of, the, of the two? I mean, I think my interest out. I think when you have something other than the law it makes you a better advocate, right? Because you're seeing the world, mm. you're understanding the world, you're embracing the world, you're having experiences. Mm. Um, and so, you know, one example, now that I'm a mom, right, I can think about things a little differently, right? Like, I can think about how I may encounter a case where somebody is either, you know, disparaging a mother or whatever. I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't have those kind of cases, but it's just like what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think about how, if I'm working on like a, products liability case house and the victim is X like how is somebody going to embrace that I have a different yeah. perspective so I think the things that you do outside of the law really influence and help you um, as, a, as an advocate right I think mm -hmm. again our experiences who we are as people help for us to advocate for one position or another yeah that's awesome would you want your daughters to be lawyers so funny so my husband's <laughs> an attorney too wow thank the whole family your brother <laughs> we, we he's not a litigator he's a patent attorney but yes wow. we are all together that's um awesome. it's so funny because like that's the only job she knows right because she's mm. my mom and dad are lawyers my mom and dad are lawyers so she's right. like and she had her first day of pre-k today and I was oh. like, well, what, I, you know, I did one of those signs that all the parents do. It's my first day, whatever. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things I was like, I want to be blank when I grow up. And so I was like, I asked her, I'm like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she's like, big. And I was like, <laughs> like, what's like a job? Right. <laughs> like, That's going to happen. But like, yes, like you're naturally going to be big. So yeah, like, yeah. And she's like, I want to be a lawyer. And like, oh. she doesn't know anything else. Right. So. Right. Would I want her to be a lawyer? I'd be fine if she is, right? As mm -hmm. long as she's not just like litigating for, as long as she's using it to advocate for people that she cares about, fine. Mm -hmm. um, and she's not, you know, I work at a big firm, so I'm not going to disparage her working at a big firm. But as long as she's right. also using her law degree to fight for freedom for us, yeah, totally cool with that. Awesome, that's real. It's interesting because my wife is a lawyer also, so yeah. it's also seeing the lawyer you know couple. How it is. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> how, argument, is, how, how, how is it being married to a lawyer? Who the arguments are As a very <laughs> nuanced. Exactly. I will tell you, we are <laughs> semantics and language. Yes. The nitty gritty. Yes, is we it? will get into the ground. Oh, you said that I was. Oh, yeah. Okay, obviously, I didn't mean. That's not what I meant. So we mm-hmm. have a lot of like semantic arguments oh, because we can we oh we can litigate an issue into the ground but it's a lot of fun That's, I mean, that's he does something very different than i do that's so funny because we're, we're gonna get into closing arguments and that's one of my favorite segments but it's it's also interesting because i think it's good being married to a lawyer as a lawyer because they know what you you, you go through and they yeah. kind of understand like what you were because my wife took the bar last year and i took it this year so i was like this is what you went through my god i can't believe you really did so she was able yeah. to like hear what i'm saying i really understand whether it was like somebody outside the law they probably wouldn't f- fully understand the gravity of what for the situation sure. is for sure so, yeah. So, uh, like I said, we're gonna, the closing segment is called the closing argument segment. Okay. Um, I asked my guests to give a closing argument, but it's really like a motivational thing that you, you're leaving with the guests. So this podcast is for like law students and baby lawyers to, to for them to be uplifted, for them to see people who look like them thriving and killing it in their field. So whatever gem or whatever, uh, uh, gift you want to leave, leave people with, but it has to be in a form of a closing argument, and you have to use the word of the day, which and is? which is I'll tell you soon. And okay. when you use the word of the day, <laughs> if you use it correctly, you win a twenty five dollar gift card. If you don't use it correctly, uh, you just have the joy of giving advice. You, you so just am I allowed that. to Google the word of the day? If <laughs> no, you cannot. You cannot Google the word. You have to use okay. it. Use the word in, in before that. Sorry, before the closing argument, can you drop a networking gem? I forgot to ask that. Can you drop oh, a quick networking gem? Also, I would have loved to get. I would have loved to like have the questions beforehand so I could actually give a. <laughs> but it's morning. good to hear the. It's good to hear yeah. like the the natural responses. Like you heard that. my whole thing about being prepared and ready. <laughs> like now I got. Sometimes life just happens. Just... Okay. I'm easy. I'm oh yeah, no, nah, I, I I specifically don't want attorneys to be prepared for the last segment okay sure. fair enough like I, said, <laughs> I want that to be on the spot yeah no i'm not whole like we're not we're not writing <laughs> in the booth as, the we, as we rapping them like why look, not though why i mean we're gonna try today i guess <laughs> uh, my networking piece of advice is be who you are mm. um i think part of the people that I've seen be most successful is they're not trying to be anybody else when they're networking, when they're building business, when they're meeting people, um, what people really gravitate to, even if they're inauthentic, inauthentic people still gravitate towards authentic people. Mm. So um, when you are out trying to build relationships, when you are out getting to know people, when you're trying to build a clientele, I think being who you are is the best part because is, is the most important thing because if you're trying to be somebody else to build your business and then that person hires you because they think you're someone else and then you got to pretend to be that person that ain't gonna yep. last long 
right? So the reality yeah. is we work in teams. So you don't have to be anybody else, right? Mm-hmm. I don't have to pretend that I'm going to be the person writing your brief, talking about I'm with, you know, learned mm-hmm. hand references and poetic waxing about, you know, friends <laughs> being better than living single or like whatever. I'm not going to be that person. Like right. I'm not going to be that. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I am like a personality and I am someone who can talk to you all day about being in front of a jury or like my strengths as a trial attorney. So I think be who you are um, is is my best piece of networking advice is like people are going to gravitate to those who are authentic. Mm. And, but what if somebody says, but what if they don't like who I am? What if they don't like who I am as a person, then what? Well, Nobody likes everyone. Like no, no person is gonna have everybody <laughs> like them. So you kind of got to right. get over that. Um, mm. I, there are people in my career that I haven't gelled with, that I haven't meshed with, and that's okay, right? I, but I think yeah. when I started to really kind of thrive in my career, um, it's because I let go of some of that. You have to be this, or you have to do it this way. Um, I don't mm-hmm. because I'm an associate. I don't have to build a book of business, but when I look at people who are very successful, um, part of them being so successful is like, they're really, really good. They're really, really smart, but they also are who they are. And Mm. so, um, yeah, I think about my mentors and I think about even the people that aren't my mentors, but that I've been able to kind of watch and learn from as I've grown in my career. And and all of those people have kind of found something that's very authentic to themselves. and so it, listen, again, you can't be who you are at the cookout, right? Like no client is going to want you like playing spades and like going crazy, right? That's not hot. Play that but electric we, slide. Yeah, exactly, on, right? Like you got some things you got to keep on your right. out of lawyer time. Right, but right. I think kind of when you're being authentic to yourself, you're presenting like your strengths automatically, right? And yeah. so, um, you know, I'm a pretty like, sarcastic or like I don't not I wouldn't say funny but like I, I have quips right so when yeah. I'm meeting with someone or I'm you know I will give that personality so that they know that I'm a litigator who you know jurors may connect with right because I have a certain personality I have a certain yeah. factor kind of thing um I don't stifle that because I want you to know that's what you're getting uh if you hire me yeah I love that I love that so much, especially for black people. Like you said, we feel like we have to code switch and be completely somebody completely different. I love that you're able to be you authentically, obviously in a professional space and still be successful. So it's possible, y'all. Like, you do not have to switch up for these people out here. Yeah, and listen, you you gotta switch up. Kill it, along with having that work work ethic. Right. And you, you, listen, when you're interviewing, like, yeah, you gotta like, oh yeah, of course I want to do this forever and I'm totally here and like, yeah, of course, because you want the job. <laughs> yeah. We're not talking right. like you got their steps yeah. here, people. We're not talking about going in on day one and being like, "Listen, mm-hmm. what's y'all situation?" Nah, you can't do that because yeah. you gotta. Like, this is who I am. Take right. me as like, I am. Take me or not, right? But like, because I want everybody <laughs> to change the table to sit at yeah. the table. You gotta get in first. Right. So you can't Mm. can't do too much at the start. You can't try to be a revolutionary in your job interview. Like that's not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) What you do is get hired and then you show up Mm -hmm. like this and you are a revolutionary. Right. You bang on tables and and you do your job well, but you bang on tables and the people Mm -hmm. are like, well, we did not know we were getting all this. 
right? That's right. we got to be a little more strategic about our approach. Right, right. No, I love that. I love that. All right. So now for your closing argument on the Conversate with the King DL podcast, uh, leave us with a quote or a motto, whatever, whatever you want to leave the, the people with. And your word of the day is clandestine. Um, okay. Do I have to say like ladies and gentlemen of the jury? You can if you want. You can set it up. I mean, you said I had to do give... like a style. But um, okay, so ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I want to close out. We, we've talked today. You've heard me talk about preparedness. You've heard me talk about authenticity. You've heard me talk about um, kind of the tools, the keys to being successful. And I want to leave you with one message, which is you can. Right? I think it's really mm. important for everybody to understand that those two words are the most important, um, that you should be telling yourself on a regular basis, I can. And not only I can, but I will. Right. There are mm -hmm. lots of things in this life that present itself as kind of barriers to entry. Um, there will be people that aren't your friends, but they're more clandestine, your foes. Um, you know, you know, it comes in in in, you know, wolves and sheep's clothing. That's what we experience. But the reality is that you can and you will. There's no um, limit to your possibility. There's no limit to your ability to be successful. There's no, um, there's no no that can keep you from the path that you're supposed to be on. And so I know mm. that in this process of being in law school and being a, becoming a lawyer and then being in the institutions that we're all going to be in, um, sometimes we feel like we can't. Sometimes we feel mm. like we don't have the tools, the resources, the support, the mentorship, the guidance, the keys that so many other people seem to just inherently get. Um, but you do, and you will, and you can, because we are all on a path of success. We are intended to be successful. We are a successful people and group just by nature yeah. of our history and the shoulders we stand on. So that's my closing argument, that you can and you will. Um, and I want my $25 gift card because <laughs> I used the word correctly. <laughs> Hey, Crystal Durham, everybody. Yeah. Yes, she did use the word correctly. Clandestine means kept secret or done secretively, especially because illicit. I guess that's what Google says. But yes, you definitely used it correctly. Um, that was amazing. I love that message, and I hope uh, the audience very much receives it and, and goes with it. Uh, thank you so, so much for doing this. Um, you give a lot of helpful information. I know a lot of people are going to be impacted. By what you said so i appreciate it no thank you for having me and again if there's anybody who like wants to reach out or has questions um you can easily find me on the internet but my email is kdurham at wc.com and i'm happy to mentor or help whoever is looking for that absolutely and i'll definitely have her information in the details um of this podcast so you could definitely reach out um, like you said she she mentors and helps a lot of people so definitely use that as a resource um thanks again crystal i appreciate it Sure, of course. And here we are with, mommy, with mommy. my daughter <laughs> with her shirt off. With the my ballads. Shirt. Hey. There she is. What are you doing? Working <laughs> in your life. Right. <laughs> the ballads. The ballads. I wasn't lying. I wasn't no, lying. you weren't. <laughs>